This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Jerry Agar in for John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for the 6th of July. Heat warning still in effect with the temperatures feeling like 37 to 40 with the Humidex. And the temperatures are expected to be a little cooler tomorrow. For today, sunshine this morning. Mix of sun and cloud in the afternoon. Chance of showers. Risk of a thunderstorm. And a high of 30. Clearing up a little bit tomorrow in terms of temperature. Maybe getting to 28 and a Humidex of 33. Here are the five things you need to know. Feds and the province seal a deal with Stellantis for a Windsor battery factory. Mayor-elect Olivia Chow blames Ottawa for the city's full shelters. Ottawa man first to face terrorism and hate charges linked to far-right propaganda. This week keeps breaking global heat records and turns out Justin Trudeau's a Swifty, personally inviting Taylor Swift to tour Canada. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. John is uh, still away. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore. We're Joe, or hopefully he's back tomorrow. Is that uh, is that the deal? That's what he says, but he also, you know, kind of alluded to if he dies, it would be good for his ratings. <laughs> no, it won't, because I'll take over. I don't, I don't know, actually, who would take over. I don't think I would be the permanent replacement, so don't panic. We could start a petition. I don't want to take this over. I don't like getting up at 2 o'clock in the morning, to be honest with you. I did mornings for most of my career. I'm happy doing 9 to noon. So you're really happy to be here, huh, Jerry? Well, you know, I'm. listen, uh, I'm, I'm happy to help, okay? And uh, as always, when I fill in for John, I'll start off with a joke, okay? So a duck walks into a bar, and the duck says to the bartender, Hey, I want to buy a bag of peanuts. And the bartender says, We don't sell peanuts here. It's a bar. Get out. So the duck leaves. Next day, the duck comes in again. Hey, I want to buy a bag of peanuts. We don't sell peanuts. Told you yesterday. Get out. So the duck leaves. Third day, the duck comes in. Hey, hello. I want to buy a bag of peanuts. And the bartender says, listen, duck, we don't sell peanuts. And if you come in here again and ask for peanuts, I will nail you to the wall. So the duck leaves. Next day, the duck comes back. What do you want? I want to buy a bag of nails. We don't have any nails. Well, in that case, do you have any peanuts? All right. Uh, Put it on my bill. (laughs) Thank you very much. Always good to have a (laughs) follow-up. If you listen to me from 9 to noon, you'll know I wasn't totally thrilled that Olivia Chow got elected as mayor of Toronto. I was one of those almost anybody but Chow who thought out of a hundred and some people, you should be able to pick somebody else. But she's the mayor and that's how it is. And I'm agreeing with her this morning. Okay. That's my whole point. I'm agreeing with her when she's right. She's right. And she has joined the hopefully growing chorus to go chorus to go after the federal government. Olivia Chow says Ottawa is to blame for Toronto's refugee housing crisis. And she says the federal government was not paying a cent for refugee housing. Now, the last few days, this has been a story because we had the headline refugees and homeless people forced to sleep on the street because there's no place for them. And uh, the way they write this up in the Toronto Star is 
Looking directly into news cameras on Wednesday, Mayor-elect Olivia Chow put the blame for unhoused refugees sleeping on the street on the shoulders of the federal government. Ottawa is not paying a cent right now for refugee housing, she said. Um, Asylum seekers have been caught in a battle between the city and federal government over scarce shelter resources. And the city has said that refugees seeking emergency beds in Toronto's non-refugee specific shelters will be redirected to Ottawa funded services. In practice, many have been forced to sleep outside because I guess there aren't Ottawa funded services for them. In a recent statement to the Star, Immigration, Refugee and Citizenship Canada said hundreds of millions in funds have been allocated to cities, including for housing assistance and settlement service providers. The city has contended Toronto's greater needs due to a higher number of refugees are not met. Are refugees not 100 percent the responsibility of the federal government? I think so. And Olivia Child thinks so. What remains to be seen now is whether or not uh, she can effect some kind of agreement with the federal government, whether she's the person who can get Justin Trudeau to loosen up the purse strings and send a bunch more money. I'm for bringing refugees into the country, by the way. I think Canada does a pretty good job in that regard. If you look at a list of countries that take in refugees per capita of the country, we're up near the top. Um, And I don't have a problem with that. Maybe you do. Uh, It's certainly an arguable thing, but um, that's the situation. Uh, But but we have other issues. I mean, we have people who came into this country illegally, a number of whom are also taking up shelter space. I mean, we've been told by various people inside City Hall and inside the shelter community that that that's the problem. That's the reason we have an overflow and we're not able to look after the people that we are responsible for, which be the people... Who live here. Now, uh, moving on here, this is something just to be aware of for how you respond to people on text or any kind of electronic response. This involves a farmer in Saskatchewan who's now going to be out $82,000. He's going to have to pay this to um, people who wanted to buy flaxseed from him. He had sold flaxseed before. A grain buyer with Southwest Terminal sent a text to a farmer saying the company was looking to buy 86 tons of flax. They were paying $17 per bushel to be delivered in the fall. By fall, the price had gone up, which might have been part of the issue. However, there was some back and forth between this particular farmer and the buyer, and they were texting each other. So the buyer texted a contract and the farmer texted back a thumbs up emoji. The farmer said, well, all that meant is that, uh, hey, I got it. I see the contract. That's not a signing of the contract. The court disagreed. The judge pointed to a dictionary.com definition of the thumbs-up emoji, which said it is used to express assent, approval, or encouragement in digital communications. And the judge wrote in his decision, this court readily acknowledges that a thumbs-up emoji is a non-traditional means to sign a document, but nevertheless, under these circumstances, this was a valid way to convey the two purposes of a signature. 
And the farmer's lawyers argued that allowing an emoji to act as a signature or, ex- or acceptance for contracts would flood the, open the floodgates for cases interpreting the meaning of images. But the court said this court cannot or should not attempt to stem the tide of technology and common usage. So keep that in mind. If somebody proposes something to you, don't jokingly send back a thumbs up. You might have just signed some sort of contract. Has the digital age made life easier? (laughs) Realistically, has it made life easier? I'm not sure. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good to have you along. Um, You might have heard uh, that, uh, well, in fact, it was just one of the things I told you, the first thing I told you, that Ottawa is suspending Facebook and Instagram advertising in their battle with these social media platforms. And cybersecurity and tech expert Ritesh Kotak is going to join me after the 5.30 news report to talk about that. So more coming up on that. We have from time to time on my show, from 9 to noon, we'll be talking about some kind of activity perpetrated by minors, and I will constantly hear from listeners who will say, well, where were the parents, and why aren't there charges against the parents? Violence in the schools, uh, violence on the streets, the hands of young people, that sort of thing. Should the parents be held responsible? Well, if that's how you feel, you're going to like this next story. This is reported by CTV News in Barrie, the safest city in Canada. Uh, Officers rescue two children adrift without life jackets, guardians charged. Now, these are not tiny children. These are two kids, age 13 and 15. They got in a kayak at Wasaga Beach over the long weekend, and they weren't wearing life jackets, and their kayak drifted roughly five to 600 yards from shore. And police say the teens would have had a really tough time rowing back to the beach in that circumstance. So they rescued the kids. They brought them on board and escorted them back to shore and charged the guardians. So I don't know if these are parents or relatives who were looking after them. Whoever was supposed to be responsible for them as a grown-up charged the guardians with permitting a person to operate a human-powered pleasure craft without a personal flotation device or life jacket of appropriate size for each person on board under the Canada Shipping Act. And apparently, police say they laid a dozen life jacket charges over the July 1st weekend at Wasaga Beach, Clearview Township, and Springwater Township. So there is a case of where charges are brought against the adults for the actions of the kids. We were having a conversation here this morning amongst everybody who puts the morning show together. And uh, one of the people said, uh, this would have been really bad news for my parents if they'd have been charged for all the stuff I got up to when I was young. And my response was, you would have got up to less stuff if at some point the police would have charged your parents for what you were doing. And that person, I'm not outing anybody here, but that person said, Yeah, that's probably true. (laughs) That's probably true. Um, You you know, it was one of those things, if I got in trouble at school, I was in bigger trouble at home. I can't imagine what what, what it would have been like around my house if the police would have showed up uh, with with paperwork. You charged my mom and dad with something. I don't even want to think about it. What would that have been like at your house, Nick? Your parents got charged for something little Nicky did. 
Well, there are a couple of occasions where, um, you know, mom and dad needed to give me a, a good talking to, you uh-huh, know. Um, uh-huh. So I worked in the restaurant business with my best friend, Roy. Um, and uh, Is that the guy we, you do... Uh, Useless information with? I totally useless. Yeah, that's yeah, the same okay. guy. All right. Friends for over 40 years. And so um, it was Mother's Day, and we set up the restaurant, or sorry, it was Saturday before Mother's Day, and uh, we were setting up the restaurant. We decided to go to the diner. This is in New York, mind you, okay? So we yeah. decided to go to the diner way before cell phones. I didn't call my mom. I didn't want to wake her up at 2 in the morning. We went to the diner. We yeah. weren't drinking. No. And Just so what I, what I did was I um, went to the diner. And when I got home at 5 o'clock, the same time my dad went to work, yeah, I went to the driveway, and he gave me a big slap across the face. I was 22. Wow. But he was so angry because my mom was home. Oh, because you were living at home? Well, yeah. Uh, and your mom was freaked I, out because she didn't know where you were? I'm Italian, you know, so okay. 22, I'm, I'm at home still. <laughs> I see. What, how old do you have to be as an Italian male before you're allowed to leave the house? Okay, so I'll finish the story, then I'll tell you the different right, side. Okay. But my, my uh, comedian friend Joe Avati says about that. But so, so uh, my mom called the bar, uh, the restaurant, at two in the morning. But I'm not there because we already right. left. We're at the, you know. So um, I learned my lesson. Now, if I had gotten into any mischief, I think my parents would have been worried that never mind if I was okay, but that they were going to be charged with, yeah, <laughs> with whatever I got trouble I got into. Okay, but your dad gave you a smack. He did, in front of my friends, which I think that was more embarrassing. That hurt more uh, than anything else. But my friends were pretty cool. They they understood that because my mom was, God rest her soul, she was really, really worried about stuff a lot. Uh, we told her she'd be a great Hollywood producer, all the things that came in the imagination in her head, all the things that would have happened to us. Okay. But, yeah, they definitely would have been charged. But real quick about uh, being uh, at home uh, at such, uh, you know, for so long when you're an Italian, uh, Joe Avati, the Australian comedian, says, you know, I bought a crib for my son. And has a 25-year warranty. I know he's Italian, but how long does he have to stay at home? <laughs> great so line. My friend Gary that I worked with many years ago, worked in radio in Brandon, Manitoba with Gary. And he came home at 5 o'clock in the morning one time. And he'd been out and he had been drinking uh, and, and when he shouldn't have been. And he walked in the house at 5 o'clock in the morning and heard his father getting up. So he ran to the refrigerator and and grabbed a bunch of stuff out of the refrigerator and opened a loaf of bread and started making sandwiches. And when his father walked in, he said, oh, morning, Dad, you're up. I'm going fishing. I'm getting ready to go fishing. And the father said, yeah, I'll go with you. And he had to sit in that boat all day long with his father, who knew exactly what was up. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning. Jerry Agar in for John Moore again today. We're hoping he'll be back tomorrow. Ottawa to suspend advertising on Facebook and Instagram in this ongoing disagreement over the Online News Act. Now, the Heritage Minister, Pablo Rodriguez, had this to say. We're talking about two huge platforms that are using content from our journalists, from our news organizations, profiting off their ads, and watching journalism decline as they eat up huge revenue. As a matter of fact, 80% of the ad revenue is going to those two companies. In 2022, last year, that represented almost $10 billion. All we want, all Kenyans want, is for these platforms to contribute their fair share, not more, not less, just what's fair. So we've met with both Google and Meta multiple times to better understand their concerns. 
Uh, we believe we have a path forward and we're willing to continue talking with the platforms. Okay, so they're suspending the advertising on Facebook and Instagram, not Google. What does he have to say about that? Google, on the other hand, has been open to finding a solution. And this is exactly what Keynes are expecting. So today we're calling on both platforms to stay at the table, work through the regulatory process with us, contribute their fair share, and keep news on their platforms. It's good for the platforms, good for news in Canada, good for Canadians, good for our democracy. That's Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez. Joining me now, cybersecurity and tech expert Ritesh Kotak. Good morning. Good morning. How are you reacting to this? I think just like everyone everyone else is the, the fact that Wow, uh, big, big tech is kind of being bullies on this one. They're refusing to, especially Meta, refusing to come to the table, have open and frank discussions and actually find a path forward. It, I think right from the beginning, we knew that there were going to be issues with the bill, but we would expect people to be reasonable. Um, it seems that Meta is just saying we're not even interested in discussing. You know what? We're just going to yank all the news content. Thanks for the billions of dollars. And that's just not appropriate. So I think what this is with the government saying we're not going to spend any money now there's different estimates out there according to the government that's about 10 million dollars of ad spend on these platforms and they're just saying okay well we're not going to advertise then on your on your platform and use taxpayers dollars so it's a showdown the gloves are off and this is going to be very interesting to watch all right now some people believe that uh, hey everything is fair on the internet they get their news off the internet uh in fact i hear from people who say oh well the traditional media is a waste of time these days anyway they don't care about the major newspapers they don't care about us in talk radio they think we're just dinosaurs i i think what they're missing out ritesh is they don't understand that uh, these big digital platforms are getting their news from all of us they're not creating it that is correct. What they're doing is they're linking to the new, uh, new story. So let's say we post this interview online and we when we go and search for um, meta government spend. Well, is this new story actually going to pop up? And now, why is that important? Well, people are going to click on it. They're going to listen to it. And when they might read an article that gets posted about it, that is all data that meta is going to collect to build out the profile around individuals. Once they have a profile, what do they do? They hyper-target advertising and they start making their billions of dollars. So if you don't have content that you're crawling, um, then you lose out on data points. The, losing out on data points means you don't make as much money. So they have been profiting from news uh, that has been being that's being posted on their platform, period. All right. So we're a country of 40 million people. We just hit 40 million the other day, I guess. Um, so we're 40 million people. And in the greater global scheme of things, we're not a big country. And any of these big digital platforms could get along without us if they had to. The thing is, this is an international, it is a worldwide issue. Many governments are taking up this issue. And Facebook and Instagram and ultimately Google, uh, they can't say we'll withdraw from every country. Then, then they don't exist. That's exactly it. Uh, well, the news on their platform doesn't exist, and I think uh, you're bang you're you're bang on. Here's the the issue: is that the world is watching to see how Meta, Google, big tech actually reacts to legislation when it comes to regulating their platforms. For the longest time, they've kind of had a free pass, and we're making money left, right, and center, um, mainly because they're headquartered in the U.S. and the U.S. has very favorable laws. There's one law in particular, Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, that 
gave them just removed liability. Um, and so they couldn't get sued over certain or certain issues. And that really helped these tech companies grow. Well, or countries around the world are now saying, well, it's time to regulate. Let's figure out what that looks like. And they're looking at Canada. And this, again, we saw this in Australia. We're starting to see this across Europe. We're even starting to see this in the United States. All right. Uh, well, one interesting aspect of this, and maybe this isn't your area, I'm talking to cybersecurity and tech expert Ritesh Kotak. The government is uh, punishing Facebook and Instagram by withdrawing their advertising. Uh, so on the one hand, the government has contributed to this by taking their advertising to Facebook and Instagram when in the past they were using radio and newspapers and television. So they've contributed to the problem in a sense. But on the other hand, I'm not sure how much money, our money, I want the government spending advertising. Because when governments advertise, let's be honest, they're just it's propagandizing their own their own party. That's all they're doing. And I'm not saying this is uh, just the liberals. It's every party. They do it all the time. They advertise themselves with our money. Okay. yeah. So I think there's another another component of this as well. Right. Is if we just look at advertising and using taxpayers money is. Um, on what platform is it actually going to? And if we just look at this holistically, and, and again, I focus in on kind of the internet spend of this, is the government has already said we're not going to be spending uh, any ad on any ad rev on any ads for TikTok. Now we're not going to do Meta. If Google doesn't comply, then we're not going to do Google. So then what's left? And I think that what governments really need to do is look at um, how are the uh, what are other ways and mechanisms of actually getting the right message to the community to member to members of of the public social media is one avenue but it's not the only avenue and now the question becomes is is it the best avenue to use and and I think these are some conversations that we as a society need to have especially when these big tech companies um, don't actually want to work with us. They kind of want yeah. to work against us. Well, I think they could also put their put our money where their mouth is and they could do whatever advertising they're going to do through the traditional media that uh, that they're, they say they're trying to protect. But another question here, Quebec has decided to join in on this as a province. The provincial government in Quebec will stop advertising on Facebook and Meta as well. Are other provinces starting to indicate they will do the same, do you think? Yes, they're going. We're going to start seeing probably more announcements of of provinces, municipalities, organizations that are essentially going to boycott spending on these platforms. We saw this with TikTok, so they're following the same playbook. And the whole idea here is you hit them where it hurts, um, get them to the table, get them negotiating, uh, because right now that's not happening. And as I said before, the world is watching. You know, somebody just wrote me a text message here. News media deserves to fail if it can't support itself and needs to rob other companies just to survive. Well, the media that deserves to fail under that position then would be the ones that we're talking about here, the big digital platforms, uh, not the media they're robbing. Well, I think what it is, it's the big tech companies have been have essentially been robbing because they yeah. are not paying their they're not paying their fair share. So. Uh, it's 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 actually the opposite of that um, uh, of that listener. Yeah, that's what that's that's what I'm saying. I mean, somebody else says, well, Jerry claims to be against big government, but supports big government forcing companies to subsidize failing companies. No, we want government to stop one entity from stealing from another. I think everybody should be on board with that. Ritesh Kotak, good to talk to you. Thanks very much.
Thanks for having me. All right. Now, coming up, we'll talk about what kind of ramification there will be with Ben and Jerry's um, scolding their customer base on telling us to give back our property. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good to have you along. Thanks for being with me. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore. Apparently he's feeling somewhat better and is planning to come back tomorrow, but we'll see how that goes. That necessitates... Mark Tui being in for me again from 9 until noon. So he's going to drop by in a few minutes here, half an hour or so, and uh, do the morning brief with me. Also, by the way, I want to remind you, we podcast everything we do here. And uh, you can find the shows wherever you get your podcasts. You go to wherever you get your podcasts, download more in the morning, download my show, the Jerry Agar show or any of the shows here. So, um, you know, we realize you can't necessarily sit here the entire time of the show, listen to every moment that we do, uh, if you do do that. But, uh, hey, hello, <laughs> good to have you there. But that's, that's not normally the case. So Ben and Jerry's over the uh, long weekend for both the United States and Canada decided to take on their customer base in both countries. I'm looking at the tweet they put out on Canada Day, and there's a there's a little drawing of the globe showing um, North America, the United States, and Canada, and there's a Canadian flag stuck in the Canada part, and it says, Oh, Canada, our home on stolen land. And then Ben and Jerry's writes, Another day to talk about hashtag land back and how we can support communities defending their land. Take action this Canada Day. Now, as CTV reports on this, their headline is, People vow to boycott Ben and Jerry's after ice cream company market Canada Day by tweeting about stolen land. Joining me to talk about this on the American side of the equation, NBC News Radio National Correspondent Aaron Rayal. Good morning. And good morning to you. Yes, you guys got it first. Um, Saturday, July 1st, we came Saturday, July, excuse me, um, Tuesday, July 4th. Ben and Jerry's now facing calls for a boycott here in the U.S. They said that in the U.S. they um, are committed to returning stolen Indigenous land. They did this in a 4th of July message. Um, and Ben & Jerry's has always been a quirky little brand that has taken social stances. This is not the first time they did this, but, you know, it's it's really a lot of sand in uh, patriotic folks' eye on, on the 4th of July here in the U.S. And, and they said, they took to Twitter, they posted an image, and it read, the United States was founded on stolen Indigenous land this July 4th. We're committed to returning it. it. Social media quickly responded. They called the company. They called on people to give it a Bud Light moment. They yeah. were referring to the controversy and the subsequent boycott um, after that beer brand partnered with transgender activist Dylan Mulvaney back in April. They have seen their sales plummet um, tremendously, actually, their their stock price as well. So that is a boycott that has actually worked. Usually when you have folks calling on, on boycotts, it, it's just a little bit of time before it abates. But I think the difference here, and, and let me know your thoughts on this one. I think that Ben & Jerry's, this is pretty on brand for Ben & Jerry's. They have done this before. In March, they weighed in on Ukraine, the co-founder Ben Cohen. He spoke out against the U.S. providing military aid to the Ukraine. He said the U.S. should use its power to negotiate an end to the war. They also spoke out about the Palestinian territories. Talk about a contested area. They, they said, 
um, that they were putting a freeze on selling ice cream in the occupied Palestinian territories. This drew intense fury from um, Israelis, including the, the PM Netanyahu. And then they actually later filed a lawsuit against their parent company Unilever after they uh, sold the licensee to a local uh, licensee and, and continue to sell. They've spoken out about BLM, about LGBTQ. The list goes on and on. So, again, yeah. this is pretty on brand for them. Well, sure. I mean, Ben and Jerry themselves are a couple of hippies and they've always been very leftist and, and everybody knew that about their company. They're living in a different environment today than the environment in which they first came along. Um, and uh, and it may make a difference. I don't know. Maybe Kid Rock will go out and shoot some quarts of ice cream or something uh, and, and mm-hmm. you know, and, and ramp it up the way he did with uh, Bud Light. Has there been any indication that people are joining a a boycott or is it as you said yeah it's ben and jerry's that's how they are i mean people are getting fired up on twitter are they boycotting it particularly in the summer the numbers do not yet reflect that again it's only been two days so we'll have to wait and see but i i i don't listen the reason this is different than bud light is that bud light's customer base they felt almost betrayed by what happened it just it was so off brand for them I remember when it came out, it was April 1st, and and I'm completely indifferent. I think that people should, uh, truly, my indifference couldn't be deeper. I don't drink Bud Light. <laughs> I don't I want everyone just to live and let live. Uh, yeah. As a journalist, I, got, I shoot it right down the middle. And I remember thinking, I was like, oh, this must be an April Fool's thing. Like, I, it was so off-brand. I just, it, like, you, you didn't know what it, you were, it was just kind of surprising. And this is very much on-brand for Ben and Jerry's. This is kind of what they do. So I don't think their 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 customer base is going to feel betrayed in the slightest. Well, and the other thing is that there was a double whammy from Bud Light, and it was not just their partnering up with uh, Dylan Mulvaney, but it was also one of their executives kind of dissing the customer base, um, and uh, that that got much more attention and fired around the internet. And people, well, if you don't like me, then oh, I won't buy your beer then. Uh, so it was different in that regard. But you know, I look at something like this, and I wonder if Ben and Jerry's then are going to uh, give to uh, a local native band their facility and uh, and and let uh, a native band uh, profit from making the ice cream. Are they going to do that, or is this just everybody else has to give back land? That's the hypocrisy I often see from these kinds of things. Yes, and you're not alone in that that particular sentiment. You know, a lot of Twitter users they called on the company to be the first to give up their profits, profits, their their property, their factories, their buildings, their stores. Um, actually, one Twitter user said, okay, you start, relinquish your headquarters, they wrote on Twitter, this should be easy, wrote another, shut down and donate all of your land facilities and assets to indigenous people. So you're right, it, you know, it brings up the question of virtue signaling, which is essentially when you're demonstrating your good character, your social concert, consciousness, um, your awareness of certain issues, but you're just doing it for the sake of appearing good in people's eyes as opposed to living it. Now, Ben and Jerry's, they're willing to take a hit for what they believe in, they, they always have been, and there's some Vermont hippies. That's who they are, and that's cool. That's just who they are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you well, know, you can you can love it or hate it, but they've never really apologized for that. And I think the authenticity in knowing who they are and knowing their customer base, it 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 kind of goes over better. And if it, you really don't like it, 
enjoy Haagen-Dazs. You know, yeah. like there's other alternatives. That's exactly the brand I was going to mention. I mean, they're, they're not the only uh, sort of high cream, high price uh, ice cream. Somebody's writing in, uh, I think they're misunderstanding what you're saying, Aaron, because somebody wrote me a text message here. Not on brand. They sell ice cream. That's what they should focus on. It's on brand from the fact that from the very day they put out their first ice cream, they were always uh, showing what they called their social conscience, and they've all, always been kind of hardcore lefties. That's just who they are. That's just who they are. And also, that that listen, what that uh, text message kind of demonstrates, and this is not this is not incorrect either, is that a lot of people don't want products to weigh in on social issues. Right. And and that's kind of you know you have every single product taking a stance on a social issue, and you're like, come on, guys, I just want to buy toothpaste. I, I understand that, you know, and that. For a long time, uh, products never did this. They never wanted to weigh into controversy. They were just like, oh, please, we're just going to sell pancakes, I, I, whatever <laughs> the, the thing is. Um, yeah. And it, now it seems like they, they say that it builds this connection with the consumer. But it, you, while doing that, you might build a strong connection with some consumers and then ostracize others. But it, it is absolutely a trend in terms of marketing and, and companies now. They're all weighing in on social issues, which used to never be the prerogative. Yeah, we have a marketing expert who we use here on the radio station. He has formed and sold several ad agencies. Tony Chapman is his name. And when the Bud Light thing first hit, I said to him, what kind of impact is this going to have on corporations in terms of their wanting to show their social conscience? And he said, oh, believe me, there are boardroom meetings going on right now saying, hey, that campaign where we're planning, we're going to stop that now. Just advertise the product. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a beat and remember, like, just so, yeah. sometimes people don't want social consciousness with their, you know, deodorant. They just want deodorant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we don't. Well, not stink. Not get in a stinking debate. That's what we there want with our deodorant. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Okay, that's Aaron Real, NBC News Radio National Correspondent. So apparently, Stellantis, we had a deal. Then Stellantis, this is how it looks to me, backed out on the deal when they found out how much money we were giving Volkswagen and how much money the U.S. was throwing around to corporations. So now, apparently, we have a new deal with Stellantis. Minister Vic Fidelli is going to join me after the news here on News Talk 1010. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.